take all of the facts into consideration. Right, but... You know, I heard something at work the other day about him, mm -hmm. or maybe it was one of the people in that he's... He was the brother of or something. Right, right, yeah. I mean, that, you know, you can't ignore that kind of stuff. We're in a new climate of terror here. Yeah, but sure, so, this whole thing was badly handled. Um, Let's stop arresting people just because there isn't any facts well, I'm not that we can find or say. Yeah. And, and then we'll just all sit back and uh, watch... Um, watch what? Um, what's the show that normal people would watch? The Sunday afternoon arts programme on the ABC. Let's all just sit back and enjoy La Traviata, as we do, and uh, ignore the fact that... Um, He's got a beard. Alexander Downer, thanks for your time. We'll be back after these noises. Apparently, I have to go and have something the doctor comes. It's just so you got to have some more gut tests. Celiac? 
Yeah, we hemochromatoids can kick the celiac. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. We've got so much iron. Let's have a tug of war. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, hit. Yeah. Yeah. Hit. I think the celiac's taking some calls on that right Oh, look, stop making jokes about Cecilia on the phone's name. I heard you calling her Cecilia Bam Bang Udi Yono the other day. <laughs> Come on, bitch. It's uncalled for. What's the problem? I just thought it was because you're a big, uh, well, as James Brasher would say, a big unit. Yeah. Uh, you're the chesty Bond cartoon man in Cavalry. That's who you are. It's like a shark, you need to keep on eating. Yeah, right. I weigh too much. Oh. You know, I just, you know, family pets aren't safe. If I wake up, so you know, who, have you who, who have you gone to see? I went to see an endocrinologist, wow. a real doctor, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and she said, you were going to have some gut tests. So some gut tests? I don't know what that is, though. I don't know what a gut test Oh, not the camera. That's actually the best of all the cameras, because I've had all the cameras. My <laughs> body is the Big Brother house. <laughs> I have had every camera. How many cameras have you had? Think about it. There's five that you can have stuck in your body. I've had them all. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? What What are they looking at? They're looking at everything from all angles. What have they seen? We, oh, the footage I think must be on YouTube. By yeah. You can vote organs out of my body. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the camera. We'll get to them. I don't want the camera. <laughs> no, the, the stomach camera. Thing. I just follow a digital camera and send it a pic. And then just go to a website. Yeah, yeah. Log on. Oh, I don't want the camera. How am I looking? No, the stomach camera, Cole. It, you're asleep. Intrusive. You're under beautiful anesthetic. Oh, really? The whole time. Oh, okay. It's the easiest of the cameras. But can I get the doctor to go to a bar with me and make a special setting? It's like my drink and then camera? Sure. This is the date of it. It's a good idea for your MySpace page. That should be the picture underneath your face. Inside. Just a picture of your internal organs. So what are they going to find down there? I don't know. There's like trolls. Some trolls. <laughs> Bridge trolls. <laughs> Eating the food. Oh. You're eating before a fight, perhaps. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we're going to get a medical opinion on you. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm. Here's what we are getting a lot of talk about uh, well, meet the pie. <laughs> meet the pie, that's what they should call it. Meet the pie. Found the DVD yesterday. Cash in on the Meet the Parents cache. Oh, yeah. Hear that? You found the DVD. Found the DVD. So you can bring it, where was it? Yeah, yeah. You claim you left it at the old place, so how have you found it now in the new place? Means you had it all along, it's flying. There's a bear attacking me. So now we can see this, now we can put maybe clips up on the Twitter website. Wouldn't that be good? Ford Sizzle for the movie. He's in a movie, in case you're joining us, called Meat Pie. His catchphrase in the movie, feel the steel. That's what he says when he had sex with a meat mincing machine. It's all on YouTube. Listen to this, Justin Young says, Damn you, Cavalier. Every time I go to eat any sort of sliced meat product, I can't think of someone feeling the steel. Puts me off what was going to be a delicious sandwich. So maybe that'll help with the eating problem. Looking at your own oeuvre. Okay, are we running that late? Uh, I just want to mention somebody has sent us. Uh, we don't normally play the mashups on the show that people send us because obviously we have Matty D on the pots and pans. Yeah. Why would we need anyone else? But oh, we thank them for their contribution. We certainly do. Uh, Kim, Kim Adams has had a crack at getting all of our ringtones. Wow. And editing them into something. If this is any good, Kim, uh, you'll get a prize. Um, Reaching across to my side of the desk. Sure. No, you can't give him my glasses away. Why are you? How about a knocked up t shirt? Oh, it's a good film, hey, Brilliant. Uh, with a drawing of the cast of Knocked Up by Richard on the front. Beautiful. That's coming your way. That's Kim Adams for supplying this ringtone remix. Recently, studies of an enormous subject have been popping up everywhere. Oh, how good is this? Woohoo! Your body is the one in the name, and 
which podcast is your Nick Kershaw in the Apple uh, back sketching? Not in there. Couldn't get the right. Oh, we got crunched by Kirsch's people. Kirsch was asking. They're everywhere. Kirsch coin to put it on the uh, podcast. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Right. Isn't that good to see Big W getting behind him? This is like the most spectacular TV technology you can buy, your plasma screen. Maybe we should put on Master and Commander lost at the high sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Okay, what about Jurassic Park? The thing mm-hmm. still stands up. Star Wars? It's not modern enough. This is modern TV equipment here. All right, all right. I thought this DVD of a somewhat has been 80s synth pop artist, and there's a few songs in here probably no one's ever heard of. Yeah, what's one of the lesser known of those songs? Uh, well, something called Wide Boy. Let's get that up. All right, then. I'm Constant Rotate. Now <laughs> we roll with Big W. <laughs> no, I'm impressed. Get yeah, down there. Uh, that's where you'll find randomness. People have been saying, um, Edward, what's happened? Has it been cancelled? Yes. It has, is it? Well, it's been, his mini's just moved on. There's two schools of thought. Mm. The bloke who did it, David Milch, has said, oh, I'm doing this other one called John from Cincinnati, yes. which is a weird-ass drama about yeah. a surfing guy, a lot of uh, existential philosophy. Yeah, it's confusing people. They're not really into it. Where's Al Swearingen throwing people to the pigs and swearing? But Milchie's gone, well, just let me get through the surfing show, then we'll go back to Deadwood and I'll finish it off. I'll tie it off mm-hmm. with two telly movies. Okay. Swearingen's been interviewed in the New York Times. Uh, not happy. Ian McShane reckons they're not going to do the telly movies. That's it. No. That's it, Series 3. Him scrubbing the floor, that's how we're going to be left. And he reckons it's because there's some kind of right deal where the money from Deadwood doesn't go to HBO. Most of the money from Deadwood goes to Nick Kershaw. <laughs> I mean, not he's like. <laughs> how is that possible? He just, he's always everywhere. In the back of Deadwood, if you, if you squint, you can just see a mullet and pirate pants. Apparently, Deadwood was developed by some other station. Right. They're the ones getting the money. So HBO don't want to bar it. That's according to Swearingen himself. Okay. Who's telling the truth? Only time will tell. Is that what's keeping the new season of Keynotes with Richard Wilkins off our screen as well? Right. We can get that sorted out quickly. I'd be very happy. Well, is it that thing or that conspiracy theory we were floating a little while ago about there being no product placement in Deadwood, so it can't pay its own way? Sex in the City, every episode. Chanel, Gucci, Dolce & Gabbana. Just rattle off. Place names, then rattle off the, num- uh, the, the names of shoes you've bought, yeah. and then allude to the fact that you nailed a model. Yeah, and it makes them sort of <laughs> roll credits. Whereas, you know, I think they just had Calamity Jane with an iPod in one scene. That was as much as they could do. It looked odd, but, uh, but it was made of wood. That's right. So, <laughs> an olden days iPod. Certainly, like, uh, inside a tiny bakelite cylinder. <laughs> Playing roll out the barrel. But the ad, the corporate ad for it was spectacular. You bet, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, okay, The Wire is another fine oh, HBO. Oh, Chris Herring of Kingswood says, I bought uh, season one after your relentless push. Good decision, Chris. I have now proclaimed it the best show I have ever watched. Mm. Top of mountaintop. Thank you, Chris Herring. But, he says, even in this show, the best show ever made. Thank you, Chris. There's still a scene. Still a scene. With the knob jockey of the cop boss, I remember that guy, season two apparently, steal the police van, puts it in a container to be shipped overseas. Oh, yeah. But he starts it with the two mysterious wires out the bottom of the steering column. No, he didn't. Didn't he? No, you didn't see what it was. This is a man called Horseface yeah. uh, who steals a van. And he, uh, no, no, they get underneath, like they yank out some bit from underneath the steering yeah. column. Sure, that's just implied that they're touching two wires together no. on every other show. No, there's a lot more wrangling. And then yeah. he's on. Okay. I had a friend who used to start his car with a five-cent piece in, the, in, in tweezers. <laughs> really? <laughs> Try that one at home. Let us know how it goes. 
Are we running that late? Yeah, come on. Oh, okay. We've got our tribute to Lucky Grills coming. Because I don't think we were respectful enough yet. No. We'll do it properly. That'll be soon. on get there. You don't know whether to laugh or cry. You laugh because it's just a big joke. But you cry because it's fun, isn't it? on Triple M, thanks to the Nissan Navara podcast. Um, let's meet in the rain and cry. Let's talk about our feelings then. Listen to podcast 110. What song was that? Is that from an album? New one. It's just one you made up yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we couldn't find a song with the number 110 in it, so thank you, Ed Cavalier. Podcast 110 is the one you've been waiting for. Yeah. Oh, it's chockers. There's, well, firstly, on Police 107 from across the Tasman, there's uh, the bloke who's just parked there all day. Remember that guy? I like yeah. that guy. I've been parked there all day. Or maybe for 30 seconds. Either way. Or for half an hour. Yep. <laughs> Sato Chalaro. Oh, Garo. A very funny, yeah, that's right. Something for Sato fans when he was uh, involved in a row with his granddad on live TV. Brilliant. Great story about going to a comedy venue where the act was just a guy playing a tape of a Kevin Bloody Wilson album Fantastic. into the microphone. Fantastic. Great stuff. You've got the Jeff Bennett files. You've got Jokes Gone Wrong. You've got our salute to the football department here oh, at Triple E. Ringtone's a go-go button. What you really want is Richard Marthland's Warwick Kappa Calls. Warwick Kappa Calling. Podcast 110. If you don't want to hear all that waffling, you just want to get to that goal. And fair enough. It's about 19 minutes in for this 40-minute banquet. Wow. <laughs> Download it and just go 19 minutes in if you just want to hear the Marvel and Kappa goal. Brilliant. But it's chock-a-block with entertainment, that new podcast. Three, two. It's not some money-making deal here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you suggesting? You're I working got, on that. a big plan. <laughs> that might be next. Here it get this, but oh, we need to go to a song. What would they do on like a real radio show, Rich? Oh, they'd do something, I don't know, something to prove that you rub shoulders and you get the big names. You rub shoulders with the stars. We've got something like that. Um, how about this? What's up? This is Brad from Lincoln Park. I'm chilling here on Triple M with my best friend in the whole world, also my worst enemy, Tony Martin. Oh, yeah, I must know him. Oh, man. Thank you, whoever recorded that from another show. <laughs> now I'm connected here at Triple M. <laughs> Watch hot kids make out on a car. That's what happens in Transgenesis. All that song. Playing apparently, uh, Triple M, get this, etc., etc. What are we doing this week? All week we're saluting the late Lucky Grills. What a man. Bluey in the 70s. Barjart in the 90s. And I brought in a clip. This is from, uh, this went to air live on the late show. This is, uh, I think we just showed an episode of Barjart. Right. People loved him. They didn't know he was sitting in the studio with oh, amongst them. Suddenly, in the middle of another sketch, like a press conference for yeah. people coming into the biosphere or something, suddenly he lurches to his feet. Check the reaction from the audience. <laughs> 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 so, uh, you can any questions you may have. <laughs> <laughs> Your mum was keep taking the piss out of <laughs> There you go. 
know, that's how into the great man people were. Thunderous applause. The grill man. Two shows on the day he died. Amazing. Amazing work. Uh, and, of course, in tribute to his fine work, well, and a fraction of his fine work, the Baja Olden Days DVD comes out in a couple of weeks. How weird is that? Mm. It's been 14 years to get it out. Two weeks from the finish line. Lucky. Comedy climbing? I tell you what. Never lost it. <laughs> and, uh, let's go climbing, shall we? Up to back situations in front of hot people you've been trying to pick up. Have we done that one before? No. You don't even get that close to hot people. <laughs> Not on this show. The idea came to me when I had about a Castro. Castro. <laughs> you just go Cuban for a few weeks. Going <laughs> to pop into the gents and go Cuban. About a Castro, I assume you oh, mean, right. Andrew Krupe. Uh, the doctor told me to go to the chemist and buy some anti-diarrhea medicine. This would have been all very well and good had I not been served by, yes, the extremely hot girl who works at the chemist next door to my work who I'd only just got up the courage to start chatting up, unquote. Not the greatest way to pick up or the greatest pick-up line. Where's the stuff to stop me spouting out both ends like Peter Costello on the 7.30 report? She almost saves it there. Oh, right this way. Sir. She could have been unimpressed by the back door, yeah, yeah. but impressed by the... Cha-cha-cha. Uh, there you go, the Costello gag. That is a tough one, though, when someone hot that you like is working behind the counter or a place. And, yeah, okay. and the only relationship that you have is when you buy stuff. Yeah, so you have to keep on going and buying stuff. Can you give us an example? Spending thousands and thousands of dollars. I knew a girl who worked in a video store. Oh. And I think I was the only customer ever who liked her so much that I, I borrowed six videos and then I watched them all that day, so I took them back the same day. Oh, wow. So I can her the tail in the first year. That would happen at my shop. We had a particularly hot uh, assistant. Oh, I made that was... Uh, <laughs> and that would happen. <laughs> I love it. So top the Fredo. <laughs> sure it wasn't just a standing affair. <laughs> Either way, I put her face on a Jim Speakman standing. <laughs> oh, oh that's unimpressive. I'm sorry. Unimpressive. What were the six videos you ran in, Rich? Oh, oh, I don't remember now. I'm sure the Untouchables would have been in there somewhere. Oh, really? I've always got time to watch that again. Danny of Steel, title. <laughs> Sweet Valley High movies. Yeah. Yeah. Long Five. And How to Make an American Quilt. Yep. Saddle Club. Fried Green Tomatoes. Waiting to Exhale. Are you the launch? You would have had that one. He's always out. I found another good Matthew McConaughey movie the other day as well. Head TV. You can't tell me. Oh, that's not bad. Head TV. Okay. Not bad. That's what I like. It's called Head TV. Woody Harlton. He plays his brother in that. That's right. Okay. All right, remember that. He doesn't remember filming it. He was just there on the day. Okay, embarrassing yourself in front of pop people. Well, I remember early on, I was in a comedy sketch review across the Tasman. Trying to impress a girl who worked on the stage crew. Was impossible was impossible because at the end of every show, I had to perform an improvised interpretive dance to the tune of Footloose. So, you know, that would have But, you know, you can't. Have you had this situation where you're in a play making a fool of yourself? Everything I've ever done. Yeah. 
you can't you can't hope to score in a play unless you're the leading man. Yeah. So a success in this area, or or right. just this is this email typical? Well, of the other day I went to an event. And uh, when I walked in, there was like some carpet, sort of red carpet and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and I yeah. was coming on there. No, no interest in me, which is great. Yeah. So I kept walking. And then I, someone said, hey, hey, hey. And I turned around, and there was like a little stage, and people people were getting interviewed. And they said, hey, come on, come on. And I thought, oh, all right. And I heard I walked up. I got two feet onto the stage before a footballer walked in front of me. Mm-hmm. And that's who they'd been speaking to. Yeah. And the really hot publicist with a clipboard looked and said, no, not you, not you. Are you anyone? Are you anyone? <laughs> I said, oh, I, no, 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 I'm not. No, you are. You're someone. Oh, I, 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 I work on a television show. No, you don't. Okay, good. Off I go. You didn't say actually the most watched show of all shows on Australian television. I, I, I just, I just slunk away. Never yeah. to be seen again. No. <laughs> well, that film festival isn't over yet, Ed. <laughs> I think you could make a second run of that. Oh, that's so we're so well the first time. Maybe when the results of your uh, gastroscopy get back in, you can take those along. Well, I'm going to I should have announced that they will be appearing in Shopfest at the end of the year. <laughs> wow. Five minute film, 45 minutes of speeches. Gotcha. Uh, okay, we want to hear how you've made a fool of yourself in front of a hot person. It's as simple as that. One triple three five three. Thank you very much, Sugar Ray. Here again, this on Triple M around the nation. It's Talkback Mountain, and we're trying to find people who have made a fool of themselves. Mm-hmm. We're trying to impress someone hot, mm-hmm. but we need a sound effect. Rich, what have you come up with? Something like this. Did you steal it from one of those? The Rickdale Destruction Air. That's right. <laughs> the sound of supreme disappointment. All right, who have we got on the line? Hello, Michael. How you doing, Ed? Excellent. How are you? Uh, not too bad. What happened, bro? After a bit to drink, I finally had the courage to stop at the kebab shop and where this hot girl was yeah. and talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, a few minutes into it, I, I went for a bit of a scratch and noticed there was a big hole from the front to the back of my pants. Oh. <laughs> so going for a scratch that was putting her off. It was the shabbiness of the attire. Well, if I didn't scratch, then I would have known it was there. Absolutely right. Nothing oh. else like more than a scratch in a kebab shop as well. <laughs> Michael? And it, did she, you know, was she put off by this or? Sort of, yeah. And it explains why her friends were laughing at me. Oh, my God. Dear, oh, dear. You going to go and have a second crap? I don't know, mate. I was a bit devastated after the first time. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit to drink for that. Yeah, I mean, you've been known to go to downstairs work uh, in, when you're coaching your basketball training at back. Does that mean, does it, you know? Obviously, it's distracting for folks. Most people keep mentioning it, you know. Is it a milk magnet? And it's stuck in the street. No, it's not. It's <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Michael. Next. Thank you, Michael. Who's <laughs> coming again? I think uh, Greg has a sad story. Are you there, Greg? Greg, you there? Yeah, boys. How you going? Good. Thank you, sir. What happened? Uh, my brother, actually, this is the story about. He's actually at a bar of a gin and at the night. Hmm. And uh, he saw this really nice girl behind working behind the bar, so he wanted his drink. And when she brings out his drink, he's got a uh, napkin with the drink. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking, oh, it's his phone number. Mm-hmm. And he leans over and she whispers in his ear, booger, left nostril. Oh, okay. No phone number at all. No. Okay, and did things develop from there, or was that really the end of it? Uh, he's gulped off. Uh, yes. I'll get me gulped. No. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Uh, no coming back from that, really. No. Didn't we have someone on our show the other day who that happened to at the dentist and the whole time? And the certain night we going on. Was it Ross? No, it was someone. 
don't want to blame Ross if it wasn't him. It sounds like a Ross Noble story, except that yeah. he's drunk. He's just not as many monkeys in it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Hello, Vince. Oh, hi. How are you going? Oh, mate, we're excellent. What happened? Um, okay, it was about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working and I've just entered a building to do a job. Mm-hmm. And there was no one around. All right, and I've gone in the elevator and I had a park coming on. Uh-huh. Yes. And then the doors are closing and I thought, oh, I'm safe. I let it out. Mm-hmm. And then right when they're about to close, I see these little fingers pop through. Oh, no, no. And the door opens up to the hottest blonde girl in the suit, mini skirt, all that. Yeah. And she comes in. I'm just praying it doesn't smell.
and was both Christian. So this book about things, and it's a good stuff. God, thank you very much. Now, you dropped a bombshell off here. Tell us what you were responsible for. We played an interview with Alexander Downer earlier. You've got some connection to the man. Yeah, I think the greatest thing ever did in politics was reveal to Australia the fact that there was a picture of Alexander Downer wearing fishnets out you there. You wrote that one. I think it's the biggest story in Australian politics in the entire life of the Howard government. <laughs> it's kept cartoonists in work. I mean, you don't see a cartoon now where he hasn't got, like, you know, the sleeve up at the... the <laughs> He's kept stocking manufacturers in work. <laughs> so, I mean, fishnets have been instant. How did you... So did you obtain that photo illegally? What's the story? No, it wasn't even blackmail. You know, it's a small world, and it's just one of those nice sort of promotions things. And down the summer, I got worked into doing this sort of guest the celebrity league with a whole lot of footy players. And you know, you know how footy players always like dressing up and drag and the drop of the hat. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, we've heard sort of uh, rumours about his sexual proclivity, so what is it that he expects his partners to do, Rich? What do you expect them to do? Fall on the ground and grovel, eat dirt, I mean, get real. Quite a regime. Quite a regime. As you can see, it's a serious political forum getting this here on Triple F. The doors are locked, you can't leave. You're stuck with it for the whole hour. Well, if you want to talk about fishnets, there's one thing even better, except nobody actually knows who did it. Do you know that in our apartment in 1985, a bloke walked in, sat down on the front bench wearing a chicken outfit? Is that right? <laughs> you know what party he's in there ever since? Well, it's one of the great mysteries of the federal parliament. You know, like when you look at it, you know, if, if you're mad enough, if you can't sleep, you might read Hansard, the record of parliament. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of codified ways of saying things. And this incident happened, but if you look at the official record, all it says is an incident having occurred. Oh, not man in chicken food, right? <laughs> but, but it is suspected there was actually a Tasmanian thing that it's so much we need to know before that uh, election rolls around. Let's get started with some music, and here we go with hundreds and collectors say goodbye. <laughs> Let's get this the second hour on Triple M. Uh, let's just remind you of who's here. It's myself, Tony Martin. It's Trevor by half. We've got Ed Cavalli. Six by half. And of course, pushing buttons, Richard Marplin. Six cutting by half. And just as well, we've gone political at this hour. And have we what? Because Christian Kerr is here. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a normal radio show. We're not going to get you to take part in Battle of the Sexes. We're not going to ask where's the weirdest place you've had sex. That was in the last hour. Good stuff. <laughs> the other part of the house, anyway. Well, well, the house. Yeah. Seems okay, you can get in in a chicken suit. I'm assuming that's pre-war on terror. Yeah, chickens, I think, are terrorists nowadays. It's yeah, really yeah. if I can't get through. See, I remember Perfect. last time I went to uh, Parliament House, Canberra, was maybe three years ago. And there was just, yeah, those orange and white barricades around the entire building. And you're going, that's a good look for people coming from overseas. Here's a government that's doing something right. It's yeah. beloved by its people. Barricades. Yeah. Uh, not very big barricades, though. But do you spend, I mean, as a correspondent from Crikey, do you spend a lot of time there at Parliament House? Yeah, you spend a lot of time actually hanging around Parliament House. You've got to remember, they do have a supercars race in Canberra as well, so they might oh, have the barricades up for that. Fair enough. Yeah. That's it. And, of course, uh, obviously all that porn. That's true. Yeah, have you got any, uh, you've got in, just before we get to the serious uh, 
politics. Have you got any juicy rumours you'd like to just bust out on this show now? Who's doing what? No, everybody's been very clean. An election in a year, you don't really get that sort of dirt flying around. I mean, it's been really disappointing. Everybody's a clean skin now. That's no good. That's no good. That's not what I expect from Crikey. This book, I have to say, is massively useful. It's a guide to the 2007 federal election. I thought, oh, that's going to be tedious. But no, you've made it simple and entertaining for the ordinary person. What was your approach to this? Well, I think you've got more and more taxpayers' money being spent on spin doctors and government mm. advertising. You've got fewer and fewer journalists trying to keep up with everything. Mm. And, you know, the academics, the political scientists, the people are actually supposed to relate this to ordinary people, and you've got political scientists who are behaving more like scientists. Mm. And, you know, politics isn't about that sort of stuff. It's about your gut. It's about your heart. About feelings. Is there too much uh, spin doctoring? Is there too much sort of um, guarding what the politicians are allowed to say? I mean, we noticed this recently, John Howard, in an interview, accidentally used the word interrogation in reference to what they were doing with Dr. Hanif, and he just stopped and went back and started the sentence again, obviously aware that for the news they would cut in on take two. Absolutely. I mean, I just don't think you want to say anything that would be possibly taken out of context nowadays. You've just got to be so clever. When politicians get programmed up with lines, I mean, you write all the lines for them, you write their ad libs, you write their quips. I mean, if you're a press secretary, you're sitting there in a studio while your boss is, you know, parroting the lines you've written down for them, and they might get something wrong, and you just absolutely cringe. And, you know, when you leave that studio, you make pickings and you bastard. You know, we spent ages polishing up those lines and you mess them up. Now, you've done a bit of this kind of work yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I remember we had on uh, the Degeneration Breakfast Show years ago, we had a uh, Premier of Victoria come in, and he had a joke writer with him. Guy with a ponytail, little red coloured glasses, had a query first on the kind of topics that we would be uh, quizzing the Premier on. Then he went through a little wooden box, a Refidex file of gags for all occasions, and we'd be like interviewing the Premier. This guy could be leaning over, slipping a card with a joke on that topic under his nose. Well, it's almost like cue cards. You know, you can sort of be sitting there on the other side of a studio and you're scribbling gags on the back of a sheet of A4 paper and holding it up. I mean, you get too paranoid for your own good, though. I mean, a long time ago, I used to actually be a man in the handstones mind. Uh, yeah. That was a pretty interesting job because one day we actually had to do this function in the Hungry Jack. And I was sort of saying, Commander, okay, for Christ's sake, I don't want your photograph needing anything. This photograph is going to be a complete disaster now. And so you can imagine all the food you had in the Hungry Jacks, where there's actually a function in the Hungry Jacks. And at the end of it, Amanda started hoeing into a whopper. <laughs> fantastic photo, fantastic photo, shot from below to make sure it was the most flattering animal <laughs> <animal> imaginable. <laughs> Not. And it appears on page three of virtually every paper around the country the following day. And of course, all the talk about calls were fantastic. Was, oh, she's not afraid of eating in home right, right. You know, you just get so carried away in politics about what you think things should be. And again, it's that lack of spontaneity. Hey, have you seen a show from England called The Thick of It? Have you seen it? Yes, yes. It's a brilliant kind of uh, satire, the kind of thing that uh, John Clark does in this country about British politics. It's so good that, of course, the ABC have decided not to screen it. And there was a great episode recently explained the business about the zeitgeist tape. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the advisors um, had a meeting with the politicians saying it's a show about advisors to politicians. Yeah, and uh, they're saying you've got to get more cultural references in. You've got to speak the language of the people, live the life of everyday uh, voters. And uh, so, you know, um, you've got to watch more telly, listen to the radio, 
Um, all the songs that are in the charts yeah. that you can refer to. Yeah, so, so what we'll do uh, each week is provide you with a Zeitgeist tape. It's 20 minutes of the things that have happened during the week in the pop culture area, and the highlights from TV, the catchphrases, and so on and so forth, so you can drop them in for interviews. And he goes, well, look, I haven't got time for uh, the Zeitgeist tape. Can you pray see it for me? <laughs> This is one of my favourite lines ever. It's the easiest way of getting around that. And for the advice I always give to your politicians, just for God's sake, don't try and be hip. Please don't try and be hip. You're just going to embarrass yourself. Who's the worst at it, really? I mean, John Howe, he doesn't really do much anymore. He's got the tracksuit on. Oh, look, John Howe is the man who liked Bob Dylan for the music, though. Mm. That's right. That's true. He said that. He likes the Flintstones, he said as well. One day he might catch up to the Simpsons. Well, it's too dangerous. See, I love that about John Howe. He's, um, it's like every year they choose a movie that can be a safe movie for him to go and see. But it's like we don't make any safe Australian films because he can't go and see King Canoes. He can't go and see Noise. There's always some edgy, dangerous aspect of it. Like he must just sit there wishing, when are we going to make a film like, you know, Carry On Up the Kyber? Some, something completely harmless with no satirical implication that I can be seen going to see. Well, Peter Costello was a wild and crazy guy. I mean, he referred to Dancing with the Stars. And it's about oh, how radical you can get. That was outrageous. Psychoist tape. Yeah. He must have one. All right, we've got more to talk about, but uh, more music. Back in a moment, I'll get this. Thank you. Good Charlotte Dance Floor Anthem here at Give This on Triple M. Heaps of great stuff coming up later in the show. Sure. About... Uh, uh, not to put too fine a point of it, shit happens, Tony. Oh, look, there's no need for that sort of language, Mr. Abbott. We've got Christian Kerr here from uh, Crikey, a great new guide for the federal election coming out. This is the book you need to start with if you have no idea what's going to happen this year. It's, well, the first sentence, or one of the first sentences, was a big shock to me. The Labor Party needs 16 seats to go its way to win government. Is that true, Christian? Yeah, and 16 seats is actually a lot. There's only 150 seats in the House of Representatives, so when you have to pick up more than 10%, mm-hmm. then all the opinion polls are making things look as if they're a pretty good run for the Labor Party. Mm-hmm. What opinion polls does one ever tell you is actually how many people only make up their mind in the last weeks of the yeah, election? Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. It could still be a camper at the last minute. We well, should still see a candidate in some speedos. That's yeah. No, I don't think anyone's going to try and speed up. I mean, a number of state liberal leaders tried a number of different kinds of swimwear, and you know, unless someone tries a neck to knee look, yeah, um, I don't actually see any swimwear between now and the federal election. What about promise? I noticed uh, that what uh, Howard does a lot is just before there's an election, he'll work out where all the really marginal seats are, and suddenly roads for everybody in those elections. There was a politician many, many years ago who used to say that he could feel a dam coming on. <laughs> but it's not just an announcement before the election. If you're really clever, you allocate your funding about two years out from an election. Right, right, then you right. make an announcement that you're going to have this road and this marginal seat. Then about another six months later, you know, you make an announcement that you've commissioned the surveyors. And then about six months along, you've got yet another announcement that, you know, the surveyors have actually been out there. Right. And then another six months down the track, you've got something that an architect's been around, yes. a surveyor's been around. You, you know, you get about four bites for charity. And you keep announcing the same thing over and over. Well, you keep announcing the same thing. And if you're lucky, the journals are too actually busy to realise that you've already announced the thing four times. Okay. So you've got four positive bites. And you don't even need to spend the money before the election. And you just put up a sign saying, coming soon, a beautiful new road. And then you can have a lollipop man unveiling day. That'd be good. That's good. So oh, absolutely. And you ceremony. Yeah. If you've got the lollipop man, then you can get the kiddies around. And everybody loves the kiddies. friendly But is there a follow-up on whether these things actually happen? Because I think I read an article, uh, it was either on crikey.com or certainly linked to from your site, about uh, how on the roads that were allocated at the last 
election, like say 30 million or so, like only about 3 million have actually happened. Yeah, it's a great trick. I mean, you now get people talking about spending over not just one year, not over just three years, not over the life of the government. They like to pack it up over 10 years. I mean, there's so much fine point. And if you're talking about how much government money you're going to spend over 10 years, you know, you can often come up with figures that are billions to billions. So they look like massive packages. But nothing's going to happen until five years down the track. And, you know, you can well and truly be off an act of by the time you're due to deliver. Great treat. What about lying? Does lying eventually catch up with politicians? I know that after the last election, people realise they've been gypped with children overboard. Does that sort of just dissipate over the years? People not worry about it now? Well, it's not so much lying. The great trick in politics is not to tell the truth, but without telling a lie. No. I mean, you ask the question, and so, you know, it's like, it's a nice day outside, yep, yep. isn't it, Minister? And then I say, so the reply is, I think the sunset's going to be beautiful. So you're not actually committing. It's on the theme, but you're not committing. And that's a great secret. You don't lie, but you never tell the truth. But see, it's like what we're saying, there's so much guardedness now in the terminology, and you know, Richard was reminiscing about the days of Bob Hawke. I mean, it seems like science fiction now that you had like someone like Bob Hawke who would just run off at the mouth. Well, I mean, politicians just really risk-averse breaches nowadays. It's one of the weird things, you know, Tony Abbott actually copped a lot from people, but when you talk to politicians themselves, this is politicians from all sides of the fence. They sort of say, well, look, I don't necessarily agree with everything Tony Abbott says, but I actually like the bloke because he actually says what he means. Hmm. And when politicians are actually admitting that, you know, there's something pretty odd going on. Well, he's going to be on the swearing bandwagon. I always say, I mean, you know, you hear from uh, people like, parents' generation, they said it was a huge change overnight when Prince Philip appeared in public without a hat on. Yeah, and suddenly that was licensed to not wear a hat. And almost overnight, people just stopped wearing hats. <laughs> and I think the one for us was in the 80s when Bob Hawke said bullshit on the news. And it was like quite a jolt. It was a shock to hear someone swear on the news, but suddenly it was on. Suddenly you could use the S-word on TV. Well, here's Tony Abbott, Tony using the S-word on TV, and the funniest thing was, what was the Liberal Party trying to do at that time? They were trying to get trade union leaders who <laughs> used naughty words on building sites. On the ABC, the Federal Minister used to be a seminarian, he uses the S-word. Well, this, it's great that you're here today, Christian, because, you know, we get people calling us up with questions about politics under the mistaken impression that we know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and we can bluff them for a while, and sometimes a, a couple of free CDs will throw them off the scent. <laughs> but today, we want to hear the curveballs, your tough questions. We've got the man who can answer them properly. Let's do that next. <laughs> around the nation on Triple M. If you've uh, noticed there's an election approaching and know nothing about it and want to know where to start, the Crikey Guide to the 2007 uh, federal election is the place to start. Christian Kerr, the editor of this fine book, is with us. You can read about my favourite uh, electorate, Eden Monaro. Oh, what goes on in Eden Monaro? Uh, Eden Monaro, well, it's a lovely electorate just outside Canberra and going down to the south coast. There's some beautiful holiday destinations there and there's a nice BNB I'd recommend if they actually give me a free <laughs> nice <laughs> Down Eden Way. Um, but Eden Manara is what's called the median electorate. Oh, right. So it's held by the government, but if you get enough of a swing round and if that changes hands at this election, it probably means that you're going to get a change of government. Okay, so yes. it is the one to watch. Here's the question uh, Which is the most powerful electorate? Who are the people who are sitting in the one that's, uh, you know, that's going to have the most power? Clout. Look, I reckon it's got to be Ben along this time. Oh, John Howard's own election. Yes. 
but it has become a marginal electorate. The boundaries have changed, the population makeup has changed. How's that a big Asian population? Has there ever been a Prime Minister who's lost his seat in an election campaign? 1929. Stanley Melbourne Bruce, who was famous for wearing spats. Maybe that's what Howard needs to bring back to win a back and battle on. Look, I've got spats on. Come on, Maxie. Follow me down this path. Uh, well, Maxine's a bit of a trouser suit woman, so she might wear the spats too. Oh, she's out and about, isn't she? She's campaigning early. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, here you've got the Prime Minister, he's in a marginal seat for the high-profile candidate, really bogged down there. I mean, he's going to have to spend a lot more time in his election than he'd like to. That's the idea, isn't it? The Labor Party's trying to keep him home for the fight for his own election so he can't get out in the hat and, uh, and the chinos in the bush. Yeah, can't get out in the hat, can't get out of the chance. All you can do is walk around Kirribilli in the Wallabies tracksuit. Oh, that'll be lovely. Need some jewellery down the front. What uh, stumpers have you got for Christian, Mr. Marvel? Uh, the Latham handshake in the last election. Did it actually cost him a lot of votes? Because to me, it just looked like an honest mistake that he accidentally overstepped. It didn't look like he was actually bullying. I mean, did it, did it really cost as many seats as what they said? I don't think it was leaning in. And, you know, if you want to hang the blame on something, I think that handshake's really got a lot to answer. I think a lot of people have just begun to realise, who is this bloke? Well, I think started off with some fantastic ideas. Hmm. Um, everything was going really well. He'd won some really big battles in his own party. He'd actually got the government to cave in on big things like MP superannuation. But there's always that accusation that he was a bit of a flake. And there he is, he suddenly always up to how. He's taller than Howard, he's younger than Howard, yeah. and he suddenly leans over him and does this really aggressive handshake. And I suddenly remember that this is the bloke a few years ago in interviews of saying, oh yes, I'm teaching my kids how to be good haters. I mean, yeah. mm. put that together, it's not a good look. Yeah, we just, they just let him, they gave him too much rope, didn't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he might have just had too much coffee on mm. breakfast radio yeah. that morning, but still, you know, elections fall on that sort of thing. But by the same token, like little human mistakes, like Howard forgetting the name of his candidate, in Tasmania, or one of his candidates in Tasmania, and also uh, the fall in Perth when he stumbled outside the radio station. Does that mean anything at all? Not really? Yes, psychologically it does. I mean, in the 1996 campaign, Howard was doing this thing where the great photo opportunity was he was going to step down from a podium and kiss Paul Fisher. Well, what happened is he actually slipped on the podium. <laughs> so, of course, you know what made every TV news. And that sort of thing really depresses your morale. Right. I mean, politics is really hands-to-hand sort of basic stuff. It doesn't matter how much money is put into it. It doesn't matter sort of what level you're playing. There's a lot of basic human emotion on it. So if your bloke falls over, if your bloke just stuffs up in a name or something like that, you feel like an idiot and it depresses you as a campaigner. This is great. We're getting so much helpful information. Listeners, it's your turn. Call us up. You know, it's get this. So keep the bar low if you want. Who's the black rod? What's that about? Anything that's confusing you about politics or the upcoming election, Call now, one triple three five three. Triple M, triple M, triple M, triple M, triple M,
work be good, Johnny, with uh, contributions from the Prime Minister there. And Christian Kerr is with us. He's from Crikey. He's written, well, edited a fine guide for the upcoming election. Mm. Are you ready to meet some of our listeners, Christian? Oh, absolutely. All right. Best of luck. DVD questions to a minimum <laughs> as we meet <laughs> Howard. Are you there, Howard? Speaking. Now, you're not calling up about Stephen Segal, are you? No, not at all. <laughs> all right. What's your question for Christian? Uh, it's in regards to just the power and of the religious groups um, in the country and then how sort of they have to tread each line to not offend everyone else and then not offend everyone else and keep themselves and just how much power and, and how much planning is done around that kind of a thing. Yes. I think it's a bit understated, some of the power of religious groups. I mean, um, you know, you look at how many votes the Family First Party have been driving the last election, and then you look at the sort of census data about how many people are actually evangelical Christians, and it sort of it basically balances out. It's almost one of the sort of same. Um, you know, the whole thing, though, is that people are chasing preferences. I mean, Kevin Rudd's made no secret that he's a Christian. Uh, because he just wants to get those votes. He doesn't want to tie them down to one side. So don't reckon we're sort of seeing what we get in America with just a Christian vote favouring one side of politics. I mean, Peter, uh, Peter Garrett's a Christian, and I mean, he's the last guy you'd actually think is a Christian, but deeply committed Christian, been that way for years. Wow. Uh, what about the Tony Abbott claiming to be a Jedi? Yeah, I think well, he's going for the Jedi. But what about the Scientologists? We hear how much uh, influence they wield, and then we discover it's like two blokes in a shed writing all the letters. I mean, well, that's a great secret. Most lobby groups in the country are actually two blokes in a shed writing letters. <laughs> <laughs> they just have a lot of hotmail addresses under different names. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just two people calling our show every day. Ed. It's funny, boys. Yeah. There are only two listeners. Who's going next? Hi, Jason. Jason, are you there? Yes, yes. I just wanted to know um, if the Polly's had any uh, nicknames, like any secret names they call each other. Oh, any off-the-record nicknames you can say, Christian? They'll go for those boyfy names. I mean, everybody just gets reduced. I mean, Anthony Albanese, Albo, you know, all sort of names. There are a lot of ex the Liberal Party, and they just sort of use typical ex-copper names, too. You know, it's just all those good blokey abbreviations. It just sort of sounds like footy field stuff, really. Mm -hmm. have, you, have you heard one of these uh, nicknames, Jason? No, no, no. I just wanted to know if they had any, you know, like we, we call people Steve-O and that just yeah. like they had anything like that. No, they just do the same sort of stuff and if you say it in Parliament, Mr. Speaker gets very annoyed in saying you have to refer to them as the Honourable Member for Jenny Brand. <laughs> 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 have, have you heard that one for the, uh, the new Premier of Victoria, uh, Bromby and Hulk, I think they've been dubbed the Screen Team really? because they're, they're quite the hard-nosed toe-cutters. Don't mind having a bit of a yell every now and again. No, the screen team's a good one, but you know, John Howard, I mean, the rodents are sort of named that stuff there, but I mean, <laughs> if you want to use that in the Liberal Party and want to have a career, I don't think you'd actually try it. <laughs> All right, enough about Brumno from Victoria, Richard Martin. Uh, I think it is Marco on the line. You there, Marco? Yes, here you go. Have you got a question for our yeah, Can you just help me out with something? Just be confused. What do we have an What do we have to have an opposing party for? Like, it, it, I don't understand it. Like, why can't we just work on an idea together as a team? As why one? do we need an opposition? No, Christian. Yeah. Well, that would spoil the if you didn't have an opposition. I mean, who could you bag if you didn't have an opposition? Yeah, I know, but it's just like, on a serious note, like, like say, if you're uh, being a parent and all that, mm. you can't always be negative and opposing. Like, wouldn't you want to be thinking positive all the time? Why can't Johnny Howard? Like, be positive with, or the opposition leader be positive with Johnny and work on an idea. Oh, yeah. I want to flip that round, and, you know, Kevin Rudd at the moment as opposition leader, 
Um, you know, if I'm talking on the ABC, this is what I'd say to an ABC audience. I'm sorry for being serious at the moment. I'd say that Kevin Rudd is better when he's an alternative prime minister rather than an opposition leader. And by that I mean he sounds better like he said today when he sort of said, look, I want to do something about junk food advertising. Mm-hmm. When you come up with those serious things that people tend to agree on, rather than just saying, oh, you're so and I don't like what you're doing with your budget, Prime Minister. Exactly. I mean, when, when people get constructive, they do get much more engaging. So I reckon you've got a point there. And, but is that going to go the opposite way in the ad campaign? Because it seems like with every election, we're heading more towards the American... Uh, you know, uh, so on the wind, on the wind surfer. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's just that basic psychology because I mean, negatives stick better on people's minds than positive. So, you know, if you've got thirty seconds to do an ad, you're just going to do a negative ad. Yeah. Oh well, well, let's hope. Well, it's good for comedy. Yeah, it's good for comedy. The negative ads help us out. Thanks, Marco. Uh, who's going next? Oh, hello, Chris. Oh, hi. Is that me? Yeah, man. How are you going? Good, man. Well, I've just been watching Raj and, he, and his performance lately, and I mean, they're sitting on the fence, constantly copying the Liberals. Uh, or at least not take a position that will offend anyone. And also I was surprised that they uh, didn't take any sort of stance whatsoever on the Hanif case. And now they've come out and said, you know, we want an inquiry into that uh, when it's all done and dusted and they, and they know which way it's swung. I'm just wondering, you know, do they have any guts whatsoever? Or, uh, I mean, is, is there any point voting for them when they really don't have an alternative position? Well, you know, it's never too early to start being cynical about politicians. I actually mean that quite seriously. I mean, you know, they're there to get elected. One of the things about politics, I mean, a lot of people forget it. You know, politics is actually about compromise. Politics is about deal-making. You've got to do compromises. You've got to do deals to get elected. You've got to do them to stay in power. But, you know, our system gives you an insurance policy, and that's called the Senate. So, you know, you vote for one party in the lower house. That's where they form government. But then you've got a much wider range of parties to choose from in the Senate, and that's where you get a much wider range of parties actually elected there. But is, is there a sense that Rudd is just pinching a lot of John Howard's best gear, like he did in Tasmania with the logging? Uh, you know, how long before we'll see him in the tracksuit? I mean, it has to be us. Oh, look, he's a Queensland. They wouldn't be wearing a Wallabies track, so you just have to wear a rugby league one up in Queensland. A winning manly rugby league jersey. Some people have that three. Some of that, you might be hugging the statue of Wally Lewis. But, you know, um, John Howard, back in 1996, I mean, everyone said, oh, you're just stealing Paul Keating's policies. You're just making yourself a small target. But things have turned out differently. And it really is, you see, politics is about deal-making. I think people have just got to realise that. Um, yeah, it, it's why politics exists, so we can actually make um, deals rather than having civil war in the streets. I mean, mm. yeah, that's a bit of an extreme example, but it literally is. It, it, it's about reconciling differences, and you've got to make this compromise if you're going to be elected, and yet you've got the safety valve of the Senate or minor party if you can vote for. Well, there's a bit of that. Uh, I saw in, in your book you speak about they had to make a deal with grey power one year to kind of keep themselves in office or preference deals or something like that. Are any of the smaller parties, they um, you know, your focus of Australia United or any of the, the, you know, the kind of yeah, a little bit further out parties. Are there any, any shout of them getting a say this time around? No, but when you actually hear what they have to say, normally it's hilarious from a comedy point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Guys, what about people who eat six sandwiches during one broadcast? No, uh, we, we must have a voice. Well, we've, we've, I just should let you know, uh, Christian, we say that no politicians will be allowed to come on this program in the lead-up to the election, unless they dress up as a baby in a tiny bonnet, in a pram, and also with a comedy cigar, like the baby from Roger Rabbit. Yeah, I mean, right. I think that's the least we can ask them to do. That's the least sacrifice we can ask for. Fair enough. From an election. I reckon you could have one politician from every party dress up as a baby so his colleagues could practice kissing him. Deep, 
good ideas, sensible policies for a better Australia. Thank you, Christian Moore, and I'm able to get this. Christian Kerr has been sitting in the editor of the Crikey Guide to the 2007 federal election. If you're looking for a non-boring book about the election, who reads such a thing? Christian, you were talking about uh, someone I'd forgotten, because we collect uh, a list on the show of uh, celebrities turned politicians, Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys. Did he really run for office? Jello Biafra tried to become mayor of San Francisco. Oh, not successful? Not successful. His platform was that all businessmen had to wear clown suits. Oh, such a good idea. Well, the donations obviously didn't come in, though. Well, and we're right behind Warwick Capper for mayor of the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. On the condition that he wears the Mina Maid gear and a sash reading mare for the entire So yeah, Absolutely. I reckon the shorts as well had to get in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Jeff uh, Bennett running mate. That's what we want to say. It's our vision for the Gold Coast. Who's your favourite celebrity politician, do you think? Um, well, it's going to be fascinating watching what happens in the United States with their electoral rates. I mean, Fred Dalton. Fred Dalton. Another actor in the White House. And he's a really good actor, and he's really good at playing politicians. I'm mean, going right back to No Way Out with Kevin Costner. He looks like a senator, doesn't he? Exactly. He looks like a senator. He'd be a fantastic president. Do you think he's going to fall in? Because I've heard he's a bit uh, tardy, he's a bit slack, he doesn't read his research, he's not as good as he looks. Well, you know, I mean, they're so divided over there. I mean, it's such a mess over the Iraq War. I mean, you know, an actor, he can just say, oh, no, it's just, it's just a dream episode. I mean, remember what happened for Dallas? It ran for about an entire series. Oh. And they're just going to be a dream. They might just say, George W. Bush, just all of their dreams. You know, our, our call is the same. Get the politicians to work together. Get all the actor politicians together. Jesse Ventura, mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the guy who was Cooter. Well, the Jukes of Hazard, he's in Congressman, Congressman Cooter. Yeah, and remember Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono, no longer with us, but with, I think Fred Grandy is still in the Senate in America or Grandy. Congress. Grandy. And which yeah. one of the Seekers became a member of the Victorian State Parliament? One of the Seekers was a parliamentarian. I mean, you know. In case you're wondering who Fred Grandy is, go for off the love boat. Come on, you knew who it was, Lucas. <laughs> if, if you can get one of the Seekers into Parliament, <laughs> Patsy Biscoe. Yeah, or Parker. Senator Potker. That'd be the best senator since Senator Public. Wasn't that fun to say? <laughs> Bring back Senator Public. I miss saying Public. But Potker's almost as good. Not bad. <laughs> no time for water cool at all. Well, I think we've generated enough in this segment. Yeah. The cap of the Gold Coast. Yeah. It's going to catch on. People think we're joking. Mm. Nah. We're going to replay those cap of calls uh, starting from Thursday. If uh, you really want to hear them, the latest podcast, 110, we're 19 minutes in, and see the genius Richard Marbland in action. Will you stick around for one more break with us so we can wind this thing up, Christian? Sure.